Welcome to the Players Podcast. This is your host, Coach Moser. The Players Podcast is brought to you by the Salem Hoops Project. The Salem Hoops Project provides free basketball training for kids in Northeast Salem. It's our firm conviction that no child should lack athletic opportunity because of financial limitations. For more information, visit SalemHoopsProject.org. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you have any questions about improving your game on and off the court, contact us on Twitter at SLN Hoops Project or on Instagram at Salem Hoops Project. Now on to the show. Coach Smaller, if I'm a player who wants to get better and I'm thinking about who can I watch that's in the NBA, who can I watch and model my game after, who are some of those players and why should I watch them? Uh, I think the first thing you got to do is think about what type of player you are. Um, if you're a big guard, you're a small guard, you're a post, you're a center. Um, I know for myself, I watched a lot of different players um, because I, I didn't grow up with a trainer or um, going to summer camps and stuff like that. So a lot of stuff I had to like figure out on my own. It's so, like when I wanted to learn how to do a triple threat, I was watching like Glenn Rice. Um, when I was wanting to learn how to like protect the ball in the open court, um, I was watching like um, Derek Harper from the New York Knicks or like Mark Jackson or somebody. Um, then it evolved into like Gary Payton. I wanted to really learn how to like, use my body. When I wanted to figure out how to use a pick and roll, I watched John Stockton, then my crossover from like Iverson. So I think it goes into like, um, more so just like, what as a player, what do you do? What are you trying to like add to your game? So I would say now for a kid, long story, long way to get to now. If I was a young kid now, I would watch, um, if you're a smaller guard, I, I like I enjoy watching uh, like Isaiah Thomas, uh, Trey Young, uh, who else is on there? Kimball Walker. Those are guys that like they affect the game with their scoring. So I enjoy watching those guys for that. Um, you notice those guys because they just they're just hard to miss because they always have the ball. They're always creating and they're usually creating with their offense. Um, some other good guys I watch would say uh, like more facilitating guards would be um, like a DJ Augustine. People don't really talk about DJ Augustine, but um, I think it's impressive that he's been in the league this long. Um, and being like, he's not like a stud athlete or anything crazy. Like not, I think all, everybody in the NBA is a great athlete, but um, they're not like super crazy explosive or anything like that. Um, so like a DJ Augustine, a Michael Conley, uh, Fred Van Fleet, those are guys I watch to see how they're like just floor generals, how they lead, how they're never too high, too low. They're always just getting to the right spot, getting everybody involved. So they affect the game like in a totally different way. Um, what I love about those players you mentioned is they're all different. They all contrast. You know, the first three are more scorers, but even within that, they all score differently and they all 100%. have different attributes. If you're looking at Kemba, he's real pace. Yep. You know, he's quick and explosive, but he's not going 100 miles an hour the whole game. 100%. Whereas Trey Young, he has pace too, but he's probably moving a little faster around the court going. When when you're watching or when players are watching, mm -hmm. what should they be looking for? Because it's easy just to look at the highlights and get on 100%. Instagram and look at a one-minute clip of what's going yeah. on. But if they're really diving in and looking at that player's game and studying, how can they use that to make themselves better? I think the, the the thing you said that stuck out to me was just like highlights. I always laugh when kids talk about highlights, and I try my hardest not to send kids too many highlights when I'm sending my own players um, because you miss a lot of like the small details. And those are like the things I would say kids should really look at, like really look at their footwork, look at how they get out of 
certain situations. I mean, you can't really get all of that in a highlight. You just see the end result of the shot going or a good move, and they usually cut it off to see if he, like, makes a good move and he doesn't score, they usually cut it off, you know what I mean, just show that little clip. But it's like seeing how they – seeing how they handle – failure, see how they handle, like how they quickly they can respond after they fail or like if a play doesn't work, how they set moves up. Like I, I think that's a, I think that's a like a, not a lost art, but it's it's a thing kids don't really realize. Like you, you can't just have a move already pre-programmed that you're going to do. There's like a setup to it and things you need to be able to look for. And uh, some guys, when they get rolling, uh, like Kyrie Irving's a good example of a guy who like when he gets rolling, he's setting you up every time down the court and he's like sort of just adding layers and layers onto like the same type of setup or move once he's like in a good groove um so i'm really looking at like how guys set up how they handle themselves like especially smaller guards how do they handle themselves in the in the paint in the lane dealing with bigger guys on them how they're getting separation so it's like the little stuff i would say uh biggest is footwork mm -hmm. something i notice is a lot of these guards when they get to the paint Yep. They still have that, like they come to a stop in the paint, they still have that footwork. Mm -hmm. And a lot of workouts and drills now are really built on handling the ball and, and the finishing point is usually left out. And I think there's a big benefit, even though, you know, a six footer is not going to be a post at a high level, mm -hmm. getting that basic footwork by the rim really agree. does help. And I think we're doing a disservice to kids if we don't put that in. You talked about uh, Kyrie and his ability to set up moves. You work with a lot of players. You coached at a high level high school at Lake Oswego. Mm -hmm. If you're going to teach a player how to do that, so you're trying to give a kid advice, he's coming to coach smaller, hey, I want to I be able to create off the dribble better than I can. Sticking a cone in front of him, having him do reps and reps, it'll benefit him to a little bit. Mm -hmm. But what's going to help him get to that level? Because when he gets to a game, McCone's not going to be right there. It's going to be 100%. a pretty good defender. Yeah. Uh, I was, it's funny. I just had that same talk with uh, Coach Chokes, like on the flight accident we were in China, about how cones, they're good for younger kids at times if it's in a simplified form, like uh, if you're just trying to help kids understand where they need to get to, like the distance of their step, something like that. Um, but when you have too many cones on it, it becomes a distraction and it's unrealistic. I feel like with older guys or when guys are starting to get it, it's more about finding your spot on the floor. So it's about uh, do what you got to do to get here in the least amount of dribbles possible. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but when it comes to finishing by the hoop, I'm big into just understanding your pivots, being able to pivot off of either foot, either way and feeling comfortable where it's not, you have to sit there and really think about it. You can just feel where your defender is and read it. So um, I think the start for me is just being able to triple threat and being able to pivot out of it and understanding how to keep the ball away from the defender and keep your body in between the defender and the ball. And just understand how to be able to pivot and put yourself in a good position to attack and adjust your defender's stance. I'm gonna move on to the next set of guards you talked about, the facilitators, because that's a really hard thing to improve at when you're by yourself in a gym. 100%. You can do all the, all the ball handling drills and, and attacking the rim drills you want, and that's great. But to become a better facilitator, it's really hard to do if you're by yourself in a gym. How would you recommend to players out there who want to improve that part of the game, what are some things they can do immediately to improve at that? Got you. I would say 
that one is like you can't really do that on your own. Um, but I think the one thing you can do on your own is watch film. Mm -hmm. You can get out, you can go to games. Um, I'm a firm believer in uh, if you're a young kid, you should go watch high school games. You should go watch what a high school point guard does mm -hmm. and try to really just watch the point guard. See how much is he talking, how much is he not talking, how much is he directing. Because you see, you can see um, the evolution of it with each level you watch. So if you watch a high school player one week, then you go watch a college point guard the next week or later on, watch it on TV, you see, like, you can see the difference in a college point guard and a high school point guard in their communication and how they're leading their team, how they're bringing their team together. And then take it one step further when you go watch the NBA guy, say it's Chris Paul or somebody, you see how, like, they just are nonstop talking. Nonstop talking, nonstop directing their teammates, congratulating their teammates. Uh, they're just talking to be, almost talking to be talking at times. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so I think the biggest thing with that is just watching. Mm -hmm. Watching and, and learning that way. And then for me, I was always about using my imagination. I'll come in the gym by myself, like this gym like this, maybe set up some trash cans, some chairs, and I'll just go through random scenarios where I'm directing traffic, before I come off the screen, I might reset. And I'm just playing the game in my mind as a kid. And hours might go by because you just play the, like, you're playing games by yourself. So I think it's just not losing your imagination, losing that creativity, and then just getting out and going to watch. Mm -hmm. Going to watch guys that are at a higher level than you do it. Something else with facilitating, you talked about players who set up their moves or set up their shots mm -hmm. that they're not just doing a, a repetitive move, but they're actually playing with the defense. Yep. And I think the great passers play with the defense as well. They'll drag a help defender over a couple yep. extra feet just to get that pass Pass through, 100% you know, that, That's something that Magic Johnson back yep. in the 80s was really good at, is just like knowing the passing angle and taking yep. that defender one more step over. And that's something that I think players forget. They want to just make a quick pass rather than, yeah. I, can, I can pull this help out a little more, or I can hit somebody in the corner who has the other pass. And as a point guard, you kind of, you kind of take that charge. Yeah, for sure. I would say like um, that's very like it's big, man. It's just like uh, I always tell people, just like slow down, mm -hmm. like give your move a chance to breathe. Like guys make a ton of moves sometimes, and they're already into next because they're just robots. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it's like what you just said. It's like being able to slow down, drag a guy because you know what you want, and you're not really worried about your defender anymore. You're trying to set up the next guy. That's yeah. like a whole another level of a, of a player to me. Um, when you're not worrying about your own guy and you're looking at the, the health defenders, um, if you're able to drag or bait another guy, it just makes it makes it, it makes those reads a lot easier and it like, makes those players like Magic Johnson made. They look like how that happened, man. He's just thinking that far ahead of people, yeah. and he's just that calm and poised in that position. He knows that. He's not losing the ball. He knows that the guy on him is not taking it from him or he's not worried about those guys. Something I'll tell players sometimes is if you have to lock in on your defender to beat your defender, then you're probably not going to consistently be able to make plays with the ball agree. because you should know, like, I'm going to get around my guy. I'm mm -hmm. going to see what the next guy does and make you read on a pass or a drive or a pull-up. But if you have to focus so much on your man, Mm -hmm. it's, you're probably taken away from the rest of your team in that moment. 100%. Uh, and I was telling our guys a lot this summer when we were doing pickup ball with the other guys, um, do your work early. As, when the ball's not in your hand, you shouldn't just be 
not thinking at all. You shouldn't just be standing in the corner. You should be thinking about when this ball comes around, what is, what is my next move? Am I setting a screen? If there's screens coming for me and I'm popping out, start thinking of possibilities on how your defender is going to close out. That sort of helps take away that you catching, you now trying to serve and see what's going on. You have to triple threat, you have to square up. But if you can get some of that stuff processed early when you catch, now that read is like, it's a lot happening a lot quicker and you can get into the next progression and what you're trying to do. We've talked about scoring guards, facilitating guards. What about some of the guys who might be playing off the ball a little more? They're not bringing it up, but they're still catching on the perimeter in order to make the moves. Who are some guys that, that could be watched uh, and able to enhance this game this way? Uh, one of my favorites, um, I don't even think I put him on my list earlier, was um, Devin Booker. I think Devin Booker is one of the most talented dudes in the NBA. Um, his footwork, how he uses his body, how he uses screens, like he can really do it all. I mean, like, obviously, like Clay and those guys are like no brainers, mm -hmm. but like, I think Devin Booker is like a, more like a, he's like gonna have a breakout. He's, he's due to have like a breakout year mm -hmm. to where he's like considered with the elite, elite guys to me. Unless he gets double teamed. Unless he keeps, <laughs> unless he continues to get double teamed in uh, open gym. But uh, I think his off the ball, just how he uses his footwork, how he uses his body and positioning, he can get whatever shot he wants, mm -hmm. literally whatever shot he wants. Um, like Luca, I think he, he, he's a point guard, but I feel like he plays off the ball as well at times. I want to say he does a good job of just using his body, being able to create, and just picking his spots. Paul George. Paul George is, uh, is very good off the ball to me. Um, and just, again, picking your spots, playing with Russ. Russ is a ball-dominant guard. Mm -hmm. He's able to do other things on the court to be effective, but he also knows like when it's time, he can post in the mid-post, he'll come off a screen or whatever the case may be. He can space out and shoot the three. Um, those are just like intangibles, I think, of being a good off-the-ball guard. You have to know how to use, do those things, like second nature, using screens, spacing the floor, and then when it's your time, being able to attack and do your thing. Those are things that I think we forget about as you know, individual trainers are really big right now for mm -hmm. players. We forget about what you need to do before you get the ball in order to be effective. Because 100%. The reality is you're not going to have the ball in your hands that much. I agree. You know, unless you're an elite point guard who the coaches like get hitting the ball well, at yeah. all times, yeah. which is really rare. Yeah. You're going to need to do more than just catch and look to score. You have to I set agree. yourself up. You have to use your teammates to set yourself up. Yeah. And in the end, you're still probably not going to the ball in your hands that much. Yeah. I always try to tell guys that are that are your best scorer, or whatever. You're only as good as the guys you can get open like setting screens. You're only as good as the screens you set. Because mm -hmm. um, like, obviously dudes are going to key in on you. They're going to play you tight. They might W, whatnot. But if you're getting lost, you're setting screens, you're cutting, you're creating openings for other guys, they're gonna, they can't W as much. They can't help on you as much if you're doing those things, helping the ball move, helping the game flow. Now when you get the ball, it's easy to pick your spot and go because mm -hmm. everybody's moving, everybody's touching the ball. That's something that I thought made Ginobili really effective. Was I agree. He was he was going to screen and flash. He was going to come off yep. screens, ball screens. He would have the ball in his hands on the top at times. Yeah. Just, just, there wasn't one way you would say. 100%. I agree. He's like one of the most. Yeah. 
unorthodox basketball players. And I always felt how amazing it was yeah. for him to do. He never went right. Never went right. Never went right. <laughs> but he didn't just he didn't just go left. He was coming off screen to setting them, and he was yep. moving a lot. So yep. he looks like he's one dimensional, but really he's doing more than he you was think. doing it all. He was. He's honestly like one of my, like I was never a, a Spurs fan. I used to hate him. I used to hate him, but like his game is, he's like really good. Yeah. Though. Like I was always rooting for Kobe Bryant and those guys yeah. who play, but Ginobili's like undeniable. Like I became a Ginobili fan, or not, I'm not gonna call it, say myself as a fan, but I respect. I respect it. Yeah, I'm a, <laughs> a, a very high respect, the utmost respect for Mono Ginobili's game. I want to circle back to what you started with. Because I did the same thing when I was a kid. Is you watch, mm -hmm. you look at what that player's doing, and then you go out and you do it. Is yep. this something you see, uh, you know, your high school guys doing, or <laughs> is this is this something that's kind of been lost? I would say it's been lost. Because um, I mean, they're spoon-fed so much information mm -hmm. now. A lot of it for me was exploring. I was a young kid. I, I got into to me. I feel like I got into basketball late. I was nine years old when I started playing basketball, and I literally seen it getting off the school bus one day I seen some of my buddies playing was like what are you guys doing and that's how I fell in love with the game um, so a lot of it for me was just it was a way time by myself but I was just trying to figure it out so I could like keep up with my buddies at first um, so yeah it just sort of I would say it's a lost art to get back to what you were saying I would say it's a lost thing with just how easy and accessible all the information is to a kid yeah. but i think it i would challenge all kids to like try to get back to that mm -hmm. i would have killed for youtube just to like yeah look just up. to pull stuff up all isaiah, day isaiah thomas pistons 85 yeah. and just watch him you know what i mean um, but that, that's not something we had just at your fingertips you can literally watch a video right now on yep. any player yep. like you can watch dang near back all the way to their high school you know what i mean mm -hmm. youth game you can watch a player right now yeah um which just sounds crazy to me. It sounds so crazy. Cause like, I feel like growing up, we heard stories about dudes, what they were doing in high school or in pickup games or, you know what I mean? What yeah. their off season workouts were. But now you can watch it. You can watch a guy's entire off season workout. Yeah. So yeah. Um, but to answer your question, yes, I think kids need to get back to that. Uh, just getting out and exploring. What's one book every athlete needs to read? There's a lot of good books out there, man. Um, I've read a, quite a few this year. Um, I would say the book that every athlete needs to read would be The Alchemist. I would say that just because it's about the journey and uh, finding that courage within yourself, man. Um, I think about even my own journey here, being out here in Oregon, man. It took me to step out on faith and really uh, believe in myself to go across the world. I have no family out here or anything. And it just sort of, my life has worked out pretty well for my, I would say for myself, I've grown a lot just as a person. I'm not saying I'm like well off or anything, but the amount I've grown as a person is exponential. What's one habit every athlete needs to start? Um, this is what I've been trying to work on myself, man. Actually, I would say just journaling at night. Journaling at night about just your successes and your opportunities to get better. Um, things where you just came up short at, that you're trying to accomplish the next day. I think it helps just give you a little bit better direction. I feel like sometimes time can just go by, like days go by and you just don't, 
be like, dang, where all that time go? What was I doing with myself? Like, what was I doing? What do I have to show for that time? Um, so I think just journaling at night, it just sort of helps you wake up with a purpose. Like, I need to get after it. I need to get this done. And what's one habit every athlete needs to stop? <sighs> just knowing, just getting over yourself, knowing it's not about you. I think that's one habit most people need to break. Like, it's not about you all the time. And uh, just trying to be be a part of something bigger than yourself. So, yeah, I think that's the biggest habit people need to break, thinking it's all about them.